Good afternoon everyone, I am Summer and as always I am pleased to be joined by my guys Billy and Kenneth. We want to welcome you into our breakdown for the upcoming NFL season. The business season has been extremely busy as teams try to improve their rosters with moves in free agency and the draft. The 2020 AFC South Division saw the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans battle it out uh, for the division championship. Uh, Tennessee was able to win the division by um, tiebreaker over the Colts. Uh, both teams were able to make the playoffs and uh, should come down in 2021 to those two teams again winning um, the AFC South. The Houston Texans, we understand all the things that um, transpired with that organization, and it looks like it's going to bleed over into the 2021 season. And finally, the Jacksonville Jaguars, bringing in not only uh, Trevor Lawrence, but new head coach Urban Meyer. So it's going to be fascinating to see how all of this uh, transpires over this upcoming season. Thanks, Kenneth. I would like to welcome in Billy to give us the latest odds to win the division. If you have not done so already, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. By giving us a five-star rating, it helps get the word out about the show. Good afternoon, Summer and Kenneth. Here are the latest odds to win this division. The Titans are favored to win the division at plus 110, the Colts are A plus 115, the Jaguars are A plus 700, and the Texans are A plus 2,800. All right, and let's start with the last place Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, with the number one overall pick, no surprise, they took Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. This had been expected since they landed the uh, number one pick overall in this uh, past April's draft. So um, you've heard me say this about Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the best quarterback prospect we've seen uh, coming to the NFL since John Elway coming out of Stanford in 1983. Now, taking a look at uh, the rest of the Jacksonville Jaguars draft, especially in the first couple of rounds, um, really a head scratcher for me, uh, picking up Lawrence's uh, teammate from Clemson, running back Travis Etienne. Felt like there was a couple of different ways they could have gone with that, especially having a bona fide running back already on the roster. But they wanted a home run hitter in Travis Etienne, and he is definitely going to give you that. Would not be surprised to see him on some special teams, maybe as the uh, punt returner and kick returner, just to give him uh, some opportunities in open space as he won't be expected to be the bell cow um, coming out of Clemson to be that number one running back where he's getting 25 uh, carries every game. Taking a look at what they did in the second round, picking up uh cornerback out of Georgia, Tyson Campbell. Um, Campbell, a three-year starter there with the Georgia Bulldogs, really struggled for me, um, especially this uh, past season where I didn't feel like he had the ball skills to be a true number one corner. But with his raw physical abilities, I believe that is something that given time and coaching, could he potentially become a number one corner? Possibly. Uh, later on in the second round, 
they drafted offensive tackle out of Stanford, Walker Little. Thought, excuse me, thought this was a reach um, given where Walker Little was drafted. Uh, felt like that was definitely a stretch, but once again, they went with a need, and they definitely had a need there at the offensive tackle standpoint. And um, you could possibly see Walker Little uh, slotted in to play uh, right tackle at uh, some point during his uh, rookie campaign. Now, taking a look at what they did in uh, free agency so far, and we're just going to highlight the key moves. I'm not even going to talk about that other move that they've made uh, from a PR standpoint. So um, looking at bringing in backup quarterback C.J. Beathard uh, from the San Francisco 49ers, um, they also signed uh, running back Carlos Hyde, which is going to give them a really good um, punch there with uh, James Robinson. And like I said, expect Travis Etienne to kind of be that third down back uh, to where you want to get him out in space. They also bring over a wide receiver from the Detroit Lions, Marvin Jones, really good possession receiver, someone that um, Lawrence can definitely lean on especially early on in his rookie year. Jones is a professional wide receiver. And what I mean by that, he's going to be where he needs to be at. And the quarterback is not going to have to kind of throw him to the spot that he's going to go to, which sometimes you can see when you're starting a uh, rookie quarterback. This guy, if he's supposed to run a 10-yard comeback route, he's going to be right there at 10 yards. So you're not going to have to, Uh, maneuver and find him in those slots. He's going to be in the right window. Uh, Coming over from the Saints, defensive tackle Malcolm Brown. Um, If you saw this Jacksonville Jaguars defense, you know picking up any help on the defensive line was a much uh, needed acquisition. Um, Also bringing in uh, Jihad Ward to play defensive end and Ray Robinson Harris uh, also to kind of sure up that defensive front line. Coming over from um, the Seattle Seahawks, Shaquille Griffin uh, to play um, one of the cornerback spots. So you can see some of the moves that these um, that this team made under first-year head coach Urban Meyer. Bring in uh, some veteran guys on the defensive line, um, skill positions like wide receiver, and while C.J. Beathard is definitely not going to threaten Trevor Lawrence as far as taking his starting spot, what he can do is provide them um, at least with a solid backup. And at this point, uh, you're putting all of the poker chips, if you will, uh, in on Trevor Lawrence being your franchise quarterback. Got to sure up that offensive line first and foremost with a rookie quarterback and then look to upgrade the wide receiver position. Coming in next is the Houston Texans. Now, uh, typically, like I said, I only want to focus in on the first and second round. But um, since the Houston Texans did not have a first or second round pick, uh, we're going to just take a look at their first pick in the uh, third round. And that was quarterback out of Stanford, Davis Mills. 
Now, what does this pick tell us as far as the direction of this franchise? I believe it tells us that Deshaun Watson is not going to be in the long-term or short-term plans for this franchise. So um, this drafting of Davis Mills is kind of, for me, a a very big uh, flashing red light on that becoming a reality for the Houston Texans. Now, looking at what they did in free agency, uh, they brought in not one but two quarterbacks uh, via free agency. Uh, Jeff Driscoll um, as a almost like a backup uh, quarterback on a one-year deal. But then they also signed Tyrod Taylor, who last played for the Los Angeles Chargers uh, before having a um, freak incident, taking a painkilling injection, wound up basically opening the door for Justin Herbert to take over as the starting quarterback there for the Chargers. So do not be surprised if your day one starter for the Houston Texans um, week one is Tyrod Taylor with Jeff Driscoll as the backup and Davis Mills as the uh, third team or emergency quarterback, if you will. This team brought in two free agent running backs, um, Mark Ingram, um, formerly of the um, Baltimore Ravens, Philip Lindsley of the um, Denver Broncos as replacements for Carlos Hyde. Looking at some of the other moves that they made as far as on the defensive side that that were noteworthy for me, uh, in a trade with the Miami Dolphins, uh, they get in return uh, Shaq Lawson while sending Bernardrick McKinley um, to the Miami Dolphins. They also signed Malik Collins, Christian uh, Kurtzie, Vernon Hargraves the third. So a lot of one-year deals. So I'll paint a quick picture for you as far as what I see for the 2021 Houston Texans. And it's actually a philosophy that I completely um, buy into. If you're going to be bad, and this team absolutely is definitely going to be bad, go ahead and stink to the high heavens. Don't go, um, now with the 17-game schedule, don't go 6-11. and Uh, Don't go 5-12. and Go ahead and tank this thing all the way out to where you assure yourself the number one pick in next year's draft, which you should have your full complement of of picks by then. Now, I haven't uh, checked uh, to see if they are finally out of uh, some of those bad deals that they made with all of their future future draft picks. But go ahead and sign a bunch of one-year deals just to get through the season. Uh, Clean up your salary cap, especially in a year where we're seeing, (coughs) excuse me, the salary cap increase slightly over where it was last year, but you don't want to tie up um, a lot of future money into a lot of bad contracts. So 
I will give the Houston Texans credit for this and this alone. They signed a bunch of one-year and a few two-year deals, but other than that, there was no what I call major money tied up in the salary cap, so they're going to clear out the cap. They're going to clear out um, trying to recoup all of their draft picks and basically do a hard reset on this franchise. And if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. So expect this team to be absolutely god-awful for the entire season. But the goal is to have as much of their financial and draft pick uh, capital in place for the 2022-2023 season and not so much this upcoming season. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbo and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals, and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion, and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion, and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star, Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information, please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. Head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career, and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting fight in Texas Ag you ever lived reveals his life as the on-field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics, and remains the youngest starting college athlete ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas on for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the greatest amateur sports story of all time. The Rebel Walk is your source for the best coverage of Ole Miss sports. You can follow our good friend, Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie, and you can follow The Rebel Walk on Twitter at The Rebel Walk. Be sure to check out their website at www.therebelwalk.com. And coming in next is the Indianapolis Colts, finishing 11-5 in 2020, second place in the AFC South. With their fifth excuse me, with their first pick in the 2020 draft out of the University of Michigan, six foot three, 260-pound defensive end, Quiddy Pay, went 18 overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, honestly, I thought this was a little high for Quiddy Pay, but considering they're not sure if they're going to get uh, Justin Houston re-signed as a free agent and Autry signing with the Tennessee Titans, this was absolutely a neat pick and cannot fault any team for addressing a need uh, in the NFL draft. So you can see why they, they selected Quiddy Pay. Um, does have position versatility. He can play 
outside linebacker in their scheme, and then on third and long passing situations, uh, bump down to the defensive end spot and be that uh, designated pass rusher in what I like to call a NASCAR package, where basically you kick your defensive ends to defensive tackles, your your pass rushers will play defensive end, and you're just trying to get as much speed on the field as you possibly can, especially on those third and long passing situations. So um, it was a move that the Indianapolis Colts absolutely had to make. And like I said, we never fought a team for addressing a need with the NFL draft. In free agency, they signed former Kansas City Chief offensive tackle Eric Fisher. Now, we know that Fisher's coming off of a significant injury that forced him to miss the uh, Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, after not being uh, brought back with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Indianapolis Colts definitely reached out to pick him up. The biggest move for this team was uh, the monster trade with the Philadelphia Eagles to acquire Carson Wentz. Uh, we know that Wentz was uh, benched there in Philadelphia um, and basically begged his way out of Philly and being reunited with his uh, former offensive coordinator, now head coach there in Indianapolis. We'll see if his career can be uh, rejuvenated. <laughs> as far as on the defense, a couple of uh, key free agent moves that I'm going to be uh, definitely paying a lot of attention to um, signing um, re-signing, I should say, Xavier Rhodes uh, at the cornerback spot and signing, um, I'm sorry, Sean Davis uh, to also play defensive back. So on, a, And he's only there on a one-year deal. So this team is trying to fortify everything around Carson Wentz. So they re-signed um, T.Y. Hilton on a one-year deal. Also uh, re-signed uh, Marlon Mack, their running back, on a one-year deal. So this team's um, fortunes are going to rise or fall on the right arm and basically what's above the shoulders for, with Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz can regain the form that he had a few years ago when before he was injured, uh, was on an MVP level, um, track um the year that the eagles went on to win the super bowl uh, with nick Foles when he went out with the um with the injury if that's the carson wentz that the indianapolis coach fans are going to get then this is going to be a really good move but if we see the wentz that we've seen um the past year and a half with the philadelphia eagles uh, this team will be looking to draft a quarterback uh, very soon um, in the next couple of years because what we saw from Carson Wentz, especially last year, was very problematic for me. So I'm going to be really interested in this ball club, especially how they um, come out of the gate in their first four games in this upcoming season. And let's take a look at the division winner, Tennessee Titans, 11-5 and on the season. Um, but due to tiebreakers, we're able to win uh, win the division crown. Moving on, finally, from uh, bust defensive back out of USC, Adoree Jackson, and um, not retaining the services of Malcolm Butler, 
this team absolutely addressed the cornerback position not once but twice in uh, this past draft. And let's start with their first round pick um, with the number two, 22 overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. The Tennessee Titans selected six foot two, 197 pound cornerback out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. Now, I had a couple of Titan fans reach out to me and ask um, about the procedure that he had. And honestly, it was a cleanup procedure, uh, almost like a scope like surgery. So it wasn't anything where there was a busted disc or um, anything of that nature where it will uh, prevent him from having a long and productive NFL career. So Titans fans, you can go ahead and put your mind at ease with that. Um, Plenty of players have had this cleanup procedures from what I been able to gather um, everything went extremely well and he will definitely be ready to go uh, once training camp picks up here and of course once the season starts. As far as the type of player that he is, Farley is a rare blend of size, length, and top end speed. I can tell you looking at um, the defensive coordinator that he played under and the kind of top level talent that Virginia Tech has produced over the past 15 years. If Bud Foster thinks that you can play cornerback for Virginia Tech, you better believe that you can play cornerback at the NFL level because Bud Foster generates as many really good cornerbacks coming out of the college ranks as any defensive coordinator. So Caleb Farley will be a day one starter and expect him to line up against the best wide receiver the opposing team is going to put out there on a weekend and week out basis just because he has that kind of ability. Now I'm going to jump past the second round because honestly, there's not enough that I can tell you about the offensive tackle that they picked up from North Dakota State. So I would not do that in injustice as far as being able to tell you something about the young man when I really did not study him coming into the draft. So really don't have enough quality notes to give you on it. I'm going to take a look at a couple of their third round picks really quickly because I really, really liked what they did here. Picking up uh, Georgia inside linebacker Monty Rice. If you heard any of the uh, SEC coverage that I did during last season, I talked about how this guy was the absolute unquestioned leader of that Georgia defense. And I would not be surprised to see him start off as a core special teams guy, but potentially work his way into uh, the rotation there at the linebacker spot. Now, Rice did not run a blazing 40 time um, at his pro day, but 4.57 is definitely good enough to where he could possibly possibly become uh, the Sam linebacker and, like I said, just be on the field um, primarily on first and second downs, subbing out when you go to your sub packages 
whether it's the nickel or the dime. But a young man that I was surprised that he slipped as far as he did in the draft, and the Titans were absolutely smart for picking up uh, former Washington Husky cornerback Elijah Molden, five foot ten, hundred and ninety pound uh, guy. Now, here's what the scouting report says about Molden: uh, undersized with below average time, speed, and length, but his tape play in the slot is impressive. So. What does that scouting report tell me and what I can kind of translate that into for you? While he doesn't have what we call long speed to play on the outside where you're running a lot of vertical routes, uh, where you're running with a wide receiver 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, what you want out of your slot corner is the ability to sink your hips, um, flip and turn, um, and go laterally um, with very little wasted uh, movement. Watching this young man at Oregon, I think he can absolutely come in and definitely play the uh, nickel cornerback spot for the Tennessee Titans, where he's not going to be going up against guys that are six foot three, two hundred and forty pounds, like a DK Metcalf or uh, Seattle. You're going to be going up against uh, wide receivers who are basically about the same uh, height, same weight as uh, Moden. So it's not going to be a size differential. And I think he has more than enough speed to definitely play inside the slot. I love his ball skills. And don't be surprised because his dad was a former uh, NFL cornerback for the New Orleans Saints, uh, Alex Moden, that he didn't pick up a lot of those traits as far as how to play the cornerback spot from a technical standpoint, understanding route combinations, understanding uh, tendencies, things that he was taught without a question by his father from the time that he probably picked up a football on different techniques that it usually takes a veteran cornerback five, six years in the league to pick up on he's going to be able to have some of that um, experience just from having conversations with his dad growing up. So I felt like this was a home run move for the Tennessee Titans picking him up. And don't be surprised if he's a contributor right off the bat. Looking at what the Titans did in free agency, and this is why we held a lot of these podcasts because we kind of got wind that um, the Atlanta Falcons was going to move Julio Jones And we weren't sure at the time whether he was going to go to Seattle or Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee general manager John Robinson stepped up and made the deal to uh, the Atlanta Falcons likings and put in, um, I think, the biggest uh, move this team has done in quite some time as far as the free agency standpoint. Julio Jones and his addition and what this means for the Tennessee Titans offense. Let me just address this really quickly. What this means is now you as an offense, you get to dictate what the defense can and cannot do. To take that one step further, Derrick Henry, your all-world running back, 
will never see another safety in the box as long as Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are on the field. Because to do that, you're putting yourself in a crucial conflict. Because if you think you're going to line up your number one and number two corner on A.J. Brown and Julio Jones one-on-one for a 60-minute ball game, you as a defensive coordinator will be fired. So what does this mean for A.J. Brown? This means A.J. Brown is going to see a lot more one-on-one coverage because you have a future Hall of Fame wide receiver on the opposite side of you who still demands respect from every single defensive coordinator in the NFL. What does this mean for Julio Jones? It will mean the first time in I think a long time where he can look at a defensive back and know there's a chance that the coverage would not always be rolled to him. And what do I mean? That means you don't have a safety cheating over to the side of the field that he's on. What does that mean for the rest of the Tennessee Titans offense, especially when you're um, inside the scoring zone, which for me is inside the 30-yard line? This is where your third wide receiver, where you're tight end, regardless of who it may be, will see absolute beauty as far as the attention is going to be on Derrick Henry. The attention is going to be on A.J. Brown. The attention is going to be on Julio Jones. But it's going to allow the offensive coordinator to scheme up that third wide receiver, that fourth wide receiver, that tight end to where you're going to see them absolutely eat um, inside the 30-yard line just because of all the attention that's going to be paid to those uh, other three weapons for the Tennessee Titans. The other big-time move that we were going to be talking about um, as far as um, who they brought in for free agency was former Pittsburgh Steeler Bud Dupree. Bud signed a five-year contract uh, worth up to $85 million, $35 million guaranteed. The Tennessee Titans have not had a legitimate pass rusher since maybe Kyle Vandenbosch, Javon Curse, and Kevin Carter. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been a fan of the Tennessee Titans, you know the names that I just named off, haven't played for this franchise in a long time. So Bud Dupree was definitely a signing that this franchise had to make. I would love to see them now go at former Indianapolis Colt, former Kansas City Chief, just absolutely man's man, Justin Houston, and put him on the team to where if you're up late in the third and fourth quarter, you tell Justin Houston, this is why we brought you in Go hunt the quarterback with him and a guy like Bud Dupree hunting down your quarterback with a running back like a Derrick Henry who can absolutely grind out the clock. 
this could be the missing piece that gets the Tennessee Titans back to the Super Bowl, which they have not done since Eddie George was the running back and Steve McNair was the quarterback. Joining uh, Farley um, in the defensive backfield, uh, the jackrabbit himself, Janoris Jenkins. Uh, this guy is just a, a pro's pro. And let me tell you about Janoris Jenkins if you don't know uh, his, his history in the NFL. He is a riverboat gambler. And what do I mean by that? If there's a route and he's reading it, He's not looking to break it up. He's looking to intercept it, and he's looking to take it back for six. Is he going to give up some big plays because he read it wrong or or guessed wrong? Yes, and as a defense, you're going to live with that because he's going to absolutely make some plays to where he's going to help close the show. And as a defensive coordinator, you bring in Janoris Jenkins, you fully expect that. And you absolutely endorse that. They also bring in uh, Kevin Johnson. I I expect Kevin Johnson to also um, be the other starter uh, for the time being. If Farley's not completely ready to go, and I don't mean from a health standpoint, I just mean from playing in this uh, particular defense that Mike Vrabel wants to run. So Kevin Johnson, another veteran. Um, can definitely slot in until uh, Farley is definitely ready to go. And then once he's not, um, Johnson can move over to the slot and Bolden will be your, your, your dime cornerback at that point. So really like the moves that the Tennessee Titans made. And I fully expect that this division will come down to the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans as far as who will win the division in 2021. 